You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere. And with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I've used the SeatGeek app in the past here in Dallas where I live to buy Mavericks tickets to go see Yogi play, uh, to go to Rangers games, used it before to buy IU tickets when up in Bloomington. And I certainly plan on using it in the future because of how easy it is. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. And using SeatGeek actually saves you time and money because they search multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And best of all, listeners to the Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 77th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 407th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 31st, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday evening when Juwan Morgan announced that he will be returning for his senior season, setting the stage for one of the most highly anticipated senior seasons in recent IU memory. I mean, think about it. Given how quickly good players move on to the NBA nowadays, it is rare when an all-conference level player is a senior and the unquestioned leader on a team with Big Ten title aspirations. Yogi Ferrell filled that role in 2016. DJ White did it in 2008. But there really aren't many others in the last two decades of Indiana basketball. In both Yogi and DJ's cases, they entered their senior seasons poised to cement their legacies as all-time IU greats while relying on highly touted freshmen to plug huge lineup holes. Yogi needed Thomas Bryant to stabilize the interior after a season in which Colin Hartman and Stan Robinson had played center. Thomas did, and Indiana won a Big Ten title. 
DJ White needed Eric Gordon to provide the outside punch that would balance his strong inside presence. Gordon did. And that team was 24-4 and before Scandal detonated a once-promising season. Jawan Morgan enters his senior season looking to improve upon a breakout junior campaign individually. If he does, and if he stays healthy, knock on wood, he has a chance to etch his name among the top 40 or 50 players in the history of Indiana basketball, a major accomplishment given how many great players have worn the cream and crimson. But as last season proved, Jawan can only do so much on his own. For Indiana to achieve success as a team this year, Jawan will need more consistent help on the perimeter than he got last season. And we all know why there is reason to believe that help will be there this season. Romeo Langford is the latest five-star freshman who will look to help propel his senior leader to a successful final campaign. With Jawan and Romeo, Indiana will enter most nights with the best one-two punch on the court. On many nights, they will have the best two players on the court, period. That's a recipe for a lot of winning. How much winning? I can't wait to find out, and I'm sure you agree. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is one of the world's most respected bracketologists. He's the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one publication recently referred to him as the Brad Stevens of girls' youth sports coaching. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball? Yeah, it's funny how much can change in a week where last week we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about on the show. And uh, and this week you got Juwan coming back. You have Archie's uh, appearance at Huber's. You got the, the IU Duke news. Um, so that does, uh, you know, things can change quickly. But, it, you know, exciting to have the roster essentially finalized at this point with Juwan's decision uh, official. And so now we really start to look forward with a little bit more clarity at what IU is going to look like, what the Big Ten uh, in and of itself is going to look like there, you know, a couple teams that they got hurt by some of the, uh, you know, guys making, making decisions, but for the most part, people came back. So uh league should definitely be interesting, maybe a little tough to figure out, but, um, like usual, know that there's a, a dominant team, but, uh, exciting to at least have as much clarity as we're going to get until people actually start playing games at this point. So we can start to, to, to talk about it at least a, a bit more educatedly um, as we think about how, where IU fits into the pecking order. And I think the early returns, as you look at, you know, some of the updated top 25s and uh, updated, you know, Big Ten uh, early projections seem to be good. So uh, a lot of reason for optimism, really deep roster. That was one of the things that, you know, I kind of took away was to talk about the competition and uh, all those kinds of things. And uh, and I think that what is you know, to me, as exciting as anything, and, and just as an aside, uh, I think there's going to be some interesting content coming out from the IU basketball uh, Twitter account. They had a uh, Deron Davis just had a, a vlog uh, that was up and kind of followed him around for a day. I think those it, it was like eight or eight and a half minutes or so. It was really well done. Uh, I know you you tweeted out the Juwan Morgan video yesterday, so doing a lot of cool stuff there to get people even more excited uh, about the team. And in the case of the Deron video, give a little bit of behind the scenes stuff, which uh, should be cool and uh, a little something else to help get us through the offseason. And now, to my right, he's a man who is still patiently awaiting his invitation to deliver the keynote address at the Huber's Winery event, so no one tell him that it was Wednesday night. He's a columnist for the big lead, and while everyone else is fawning over Jawan Morgan's return to Indiana, he is celebrating the return of another accomplished Big Ten senior, his all-time favorite player and personal pivot hero, the great 
Ethan Happ. Oh, this is so wonderful. <laughs> he is Ryan Phillips. Was you saying something? Uh-uh, you can't tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Ryan, what is your rant this week? I like the song choice this week. Uh... I mean, I don't know what your definition of celebrating is with uh, Ethan Happ's return, but, you know, clearly we have different ideas in that department. Uh, it's called sarcasm, I, I, Ryan. Sarcasm. Yeah. Well, you didn't you didn't pull it off there, buddy. <laughs> um, no, I, I think uh, the big news, of course, is is Juwan Morgan returning, as you as you discussed and so did Andy. But I think it's worth noting that that Indiana will play Duke in Durham uh, this fall, third time in four years we've played Duke. What, what is with the Big Ten? Can't we just stretch it out a little? We always seem to beat North Carolina. Can we play North Carolina every year? Um, why has it got to be Duke? Why? Why? Uh, but in Durham, it'll be a chance for for some of these guys to, uh, particularly, I guess, Juwan, to uh, maybe you know throw a haymaker back at Duke for that really awful performance a couple years ago in Durham. Certainly something that I think a lot of uh, Indiana fans would like to lose from their memory and a good performance there will, will straighten things out a little bit. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity at the same time. I'd really like us like to see us not play a team that's going to be ranked in the top five. Every time we do the big 10 ACC challenge, I'd like to mix it up a little, see some different teams. Heck, send us to Virginia. Let's play, uh, let's play them. They, they like to lose to, uh, to teams they shouldn't. So why not? But Ouch. poor Virginia. <clears throat> poor, poor no, Virginia. No, no, there's no poor there. They lost to UMBC. <laughs> there's that's their fault. They ruined brackets this year, Jared. All right. <clears throat> but I think that's, that's a great opportunity for Indiana. Great opportunity for Archie Miller, put them on national TV against a really good team with, you know, Romeo Langford, as you mentioned, Jawan Morgan, a lot of other guys back chance to step up in competition and, and really uh, do something. I think that'd be a great early season matchup. I think we're all looking forward to. All right. So the topics uh, and the questions that we're going to address this week, we'll talk a little bit more about this IU Duke matchup, which broke, you know, just about an hour before we uh, started recording. Then obviously we'll dive in more and talk about Juwan Morgan's return. What is the ceiling for his senior season? What is the impact uh, of him coming back? You know, some of the lineup issues, uh, lineup possibilities really that Indiana will have. Uh, Also, we'll talk about what stood out from Archie Miller's comments at Huber's Winery, and then we'll close by answering your questions. And we're definitely going to save time for questions uh, this week because you guys really sent in a lot of them, uh, a lot of good ones. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio, uh, and that's what you're listening to right now, Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's let's just dive right in and talk a little bit more about this IU-Duke matchup. So, you know, one of the things that Archie talked about at, at Huber's Winery was that some of the things that they have, you know, that they're waiting to do for the schedule, they need to know, you know, they need to know who they're going to be playing in the ACC Big Ten Challenge and when that game is going to be. You know, they've got to nail down some of those dates so that they can fill in around it. And when you look at the impact of this game now, you know, you have a non-conference schedule for Indiana that has Duke, has Marquette, Louisville, and Butler. So you've got some real heft there, you know, with those four games that are really going to be good for the resume. Uh, and now, you know, it'll obviously be interesting to see what Archie does with the rest of the schedule. He sounded, you know, at Huber's like he was very committed to it being a tough schedule, a tougher schedule than last year. You know, having Duke right there on the schedule again uh, is certainly going to help that. But Andy, as you look forward to this matchup with the Blue Devils, 
there's a lot of storylines. You know, uh, Cam Reddish is one of the incoming freshmen for Duke. He was Jake Forrester's high school teammate. Four of the top five players in the class of 2018 will be on the floor in that game. Three for Duke and then obviously Romeo Langford. But when you look at what Duke has coming back, in addition to the freshmen that they're adding, how good do you think they will be by late November uh, with a more experienced Indiana team coming in there to take them on? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to have uh, obviously a lot of roster turnover with Duke uh, now that uh, Ryan's Ryan's boy, Coach K, has embraced the one and done era in a way that, that few thought possible. Um, <laughs> Let me say that Coach K has done a lot for charity. <laughs> that that one didn't and, fit. That was a miss on that. Just just trying to shoehorn him in at some point. Um, so uh, yeah, so I think it's if there ever is a good time to play at Cameron, I guess that's it. Just just in the sense that um, you know they're still going to be probably figuring some things out. Uh, they lose Grace now, and they obviously lose Bagley, Wendell Carter, uh, you know Trevon Duvall. So certainly a talented group of freshmen coming in, but as you know it's going to be the case that it's going to take a little while for them to mesh. Although I think they're doing a uh, exhibition tour in the off season. Um, so that may, you know, accelerate that a little bit for them. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's ever a good time to go to Cameron, but I guess to, earlier is better. Uh, and maybe you catch them still in a transitional period, although IU uh, has a lot of uh, roster changes as well. And they'll probably be sorting some things out themselves. So should be a good game, good early test. Um, it, it's kind of a, uh, you know, no lose proposition though for IU. It's going to help your strength of schedule. Um, gives you a good early measuring stick of where you are before you start heading into Big Ten play because I think the, the those early Big Ten games are going to fall right on the heels of that if I'm remembering correctly um, how things worked last year. So it's a good barometer uh, to figure out how far you are. And if you, if you play well, uh, then great. If not, not really a game that you're expected to win under any circumstances. So you're kind of playing with house money in my eyes. Yeah, one thing about Duke is they're not going to have a ton of size uh, like they did this past season. So that'll be good for Indiana. That was one of the things they struggled with against Duke this year was just the, the sheer size of everybody on the roster. There's going to be a lot of six seven, six six guys, but they're not going to have a six eleven guy like Marvin Bagley patrolling the paint or a big dude like who's the other guy? Uh, Wendell Carter. Yes, thank you, Wendell Carter. Uh, <clears throat> in the middle, just dominating things and uh, as far as affecting shots and things like that. I mean, Deron Davis did really well against those guys, but again, once he got into foul trouble, really the team really struggled against that. So it's going to be a lot of wing play for, for Duke this year, a lot of guard play, and I think that's something that, that IU can counter. Is this a game where Indiana's going to miss Duran? Because it sounds pretty clear from what Archie said at Huber's that he's not going to be ready early season. You know, certainly not going to be 100%. And this was a game that he really played well last year in and was a big part of the reason why Indiana had a chance to win with five minutes to go. So do you see this as a game where they could really miss him? Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a big guy who can score. That's that's that you're going to need that against Duke because Duke's going to score a lot of points. That's just what they do. That's the way Coach K's system runs. And Points in the paint are easy points. You toss it into Duran, he goes to work and gets you a bucket. But the other guys will have to step up. And, you know, if it's if it goes as we expect and Duran is out until, you know, let's say, let's just say January, um, giving him about a year of recovery time, which is, you know, probably about right for, for that injury. Um, I, I think that you're going to have guys who have been used to playing at that point for him have been used to practicing in that position have been used to being on the floor in that position so i don't think it's going to be as dire as it would have been had he not played last year because there is more depth up front 
But at the same time, of course, you're going to miss him. He's a big guy who can score and has the confidence of having done it last year against Duke. So uh, it's it's going to be a loss no matter how you shake it out. You do. I think that I think the challenge though for him would be coming back that early. Duke's going to put him in a ton of pick and roll scenarios where we know even at full health last year he struggled a bit, and because they are going to be a little bit smaller, right. there's not really a clear. Uh, a clear matchup for him. I mean, I'm just looking at the NBC Sports, like their projected starters for the the early top 25, and like Javin Deloria would be their their five man, who's really more of a you know kind of wiry wiry guy who's probably more fit to to play the four and, and a good athlete. So, um, you know, the flip side of that is he could give them some trouble. I think they'd give him trouble on the other end of the floor. So maybe it, it cancels itself out to a certain extent. That game, the date hasn't been set yet. It will be sometime between November 26th and the 28th. Uh, Thanksgiving this year is November 22nd, so it'll be after that. Uh, so we will look to uh, to see when that date occurs, and then we'll obviously look to see uh, the rest of the non-conference schedule get filled in after that. All right, coming up, we are going to assess the impact of Juwan Morgan's return now that we know for sure that he is back Talk about some of the lineup possibilities. Talk about what maybe the ceiling for Jawan's senior season is. And was Ryan actually right with his crazy prediction about Jawan from last August? We're going to discuss. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. If you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can watch our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and participate in the live chat on YouTube for better or worse, you will get all of the between-segment banner that doesn't make it into the radio or podcast edit, which in a recent episode included this doozy. I've been involved in poop explosions, plenty of them. Yeah. Uh, subscribe on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. So, <laughs> gentlemen, I would like to kick off our discussion of Juwan Morgan. That's who this segment is going to be about by playing a clip. And... This is a clip that some of our longtime listeners will probably remember. It's from August of 2017, so last offseason. And remember, this was back when Juwan was more of a tantalizing but injury-prone question mark, really, rather than the second-team all-conference player that he became last season. So I'm going to play this. It's about 45, 50 seconds. Uh, you know, if you guys want to jump in at any point, you know, let me know. But let's just let's listen to this, and then we're going to assess it afterwards. Juwan, Juwan Morgan could go after this year if he's healthy, I think. Could go where? Go pro. Jawan Morgan? Oh, yeah. Dude, we'll talk later. I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Oh, oh boy. I mean, is there any other reason why someone would go to the NBA besides they're a really good player? I mean, I just don't think he's good enough. To oh, no. No, I think, I, th- I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to like, they're starting to go after these Swiss Army Knife guys, and he's going to be one. Wow. I'm telling you. I mean, I like the confidence. No, I, I'm not saying like he may not even be like first team all Big Ten, but I think he could go because of the Swiss Army Knife factor. I, wow. I, I'm very confident that that could happen. I'm not saying it will. B- viewers, I'm not predicting that. I'm saying he could. Hashtag two-year plan. Hashtag two-year plan. <laughs> there it was. Shut the... <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was back when we were playing bingo. I forgot about bingo. We need to get bingo going again. So, okay, we're, we're back live now. Jared, um, in, the, in the rare role of the skeptic in that clip. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was quite the role reversal. So, okay, before, before we talk about anything, all right, I just want to take a moment and appreciate the cover your rear end disclaimer that Ryan used there, because it truly is a thing of beauty to go out on a limb, but then totally cover his rump if it doesn't happen. I'm very confident that that could happen. I'm very confident that that could happen, a statement that could literally be applied to basically everything. So that's how confident that you were in your statement that you had I to cover. To try, but I'll try to try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Laugh all you want, man. I was right. He had his breakout. I'm sorry. I, 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 I I'm, I'm taking it. I'm taking the W on this one and I'm just going to let you two do whatever you want. I, I thought, yeah, right. I th- you, you know, you weren't a hundred percent right. You were, but you were about, I said he could go right. pro, but yeah, but any, but anybody could go pro. So that's uh, I mean, look, he had a better season than any of us thought you were on that. He got himself on the NBA radar. I wasn't anticipating that you were, but he couldn't have gone and gotten drafted. Otherwise he would have. So you were could have been quite, a second round pick, maybe. Yeah, but he probably would have gone. Uh, so no, that's but he had the ability to go pro. He could have left, and people would have been like, "Yeah, I, he should have come back." But yeah, like I'm sorry, I think right, that, but, right, uh, but it wasn't like a slam dunk. All I'm saying is, I'll give I, you. And 80 I, never, to I didn't say it would be a slam dunk. I said he could go pro pro if he has a good year, and he put his name in the draft, and people were like, "Yeah, he should put his name in the draft," and he came back, but he put his name in the draft, and it didn't seem ridiculous. All right, so. Thank you. Second team, all big 10. If he was on a better team, he would have been first team, all big 10. I think we all agree with that. Uh, I I predicted a Juwan breakout and he broke out. You don't have to, you don't have to try and compete with me more. No, no, I'm, I'm I'm giving you most of the credit. I'm giving you most of the credit. Um, Okay. This is a perfect matchup of someone who never wants to admit that they're wrong and always wants to be right. And two other people who never want to give that person the satisfaction of actually saying they're correct. So it's the beauty of the show. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Not really <laughs> That's sure. why people listen. That, but, you know. Thanks a lot. Juwan. Thanks a lot. Andy, Andy has just divulged the secret of our success. <laughs> All right. So, so let's talk about Juwan. Um, and let's, let's look ahead to his senior season. And I think the first angle that would be interesting to talk about is, you know, expectations for Juwan as a senior. You know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to have everything on his shoulders like it felt like a lot of times he had last year. There were obviously games where, you know, Robert Johnson stepped up or other guys stepped up. But I mean, every game, there was such a big load on Juwan. And as I mentioned in my banner moment, you know, he's going to have other guys now, Romeo Langford, but also other guys who were going to help him. The, the comparison that gets made most often for Juwan's senior season is a guy I mentioned earlier, which is DJ White. And I want to take a quick moment and remember what DJ White did as a senior because his senior season was outstanding just to make sure people respect that comparison because DJ was Big Ten Player of the Year. He was a second-team All-American. He averaged 17 points, 10 boards, 1.6 blocks, and he shot 60.5% from the field. So if Juwan is going to do something like that, and I think it's important to note they are very different as players, but I understand why the comparison is getting made because of their role, because they're seniors and the roster makeup, all of that. You know, Juwan last year was second team All Big Ten. He's likely to be preseason first team this year. And last year he averaged 16.5 points, 7.4 boards, 1.4 blocks, and then, you know, 1.2 steals and 1.5 assists, which are numbers that DJ didn't do. And he shot 63% from two point range and has more versatility to his game. So given the extra freedom that he should have without all the attention being on him, the versatile nature of his game, 
I don't think it's crazy to think that he could have a senior year like DJ White. Now, whether he's Big Ten Player of the Year or not, that's you know that depends on a lot of other factors. But you know, Ryan, you saw him play up close. I don't think it's a crazy comparison as long as people aren't saying that they're that similar as players. Well, let's remember also DJ White could have taken a redshirt year, uh, could have applied for a medical redshirt and played an extra year. So he had only really played two years during his senior year because he was injured during his sophomore year after a few games. So Juwan is way more experienced than DJ did going into his final collegiate year. Now, look, DJ was good enough to get drafted in the first round as well. So there was no reason for him to take that medical redshirt. So Juwan actually has more experience. He knows the Big Ten better than DJ did. And he, but he has gone through the same sort of thing with losing a coach. DJ had his freshman year, uh, that sophomore year where he was injured and he lost Mike Davis had to play under a new coach during the next two years. Uh, I think that that's similar to Juwan had, one coach for two years, another coach for the last two years. Um, but what I would say about Juwan is I think that he can have a better season with Quotran. I mean, I don't know how you quantify that or whatever, but a better season as far as when you view it, you say, okay, he had a better year as a senior. I don't know if his numbers will go up though, because there'll be so many other pieces contributing that his numbers may stay the same, but have just as big an impact, if not more. And I bet Juwan would like that to have his numbers sort of stay the same and actually have more guys helping out and, and have a better season. The thing I would like to see from Juwan this year is the shooting percentages need to go up. Uh, his free throw percentage as a freshman was 80%. Sophomore, 73.9. Last year, 63.1. Three-point percentage as a freshman. Again, wasn't shooting that much, but 45.5%, uh, 25% as a sophomore, and then 30.2% last year. Obviously, from two-point range, he's great. He always will be because when he's shooting from inside the arc, he's shooting three feet from the basket uh, at most. And so everything else has increased and gotten better for Juwan, but the shooting percentages from the free throw line and the three-point line have gone down. He's going to need to add that and, and make those better and improve in that area if he wants to be an NBA guy. And I'm sure that's what the NBA people told him, and and rightfully so. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Andy, I posed this question to Alex on Podcast on the Brink, and I want to pose it to you guys too, and, and Andy, get your thoughts first. Is there any concern? Look, Juwan coming back is fantastic. It is the best possible outcome from Indiana's perspective. But if you think back to the beginning of last year, it kind of felt like Juwan was trying to showcase his outside game and his versatility, and he really struggled. He wasn't shooting well. It's almost like he was trying to shoot his way into confidence, and he just he, he, he just felt like he was really out of sync. Once he went inside and really focused on going down there, he was dynamite, and the offense ran through him. Do you have any concern about... Indiana and Archie Miller trying to shoehorn in, you know, featuring Jawan Morgan as a more versatile player and stepping out and doing some of the things that NBA teams will want to see, to, you know, to the detriment of him going down low and doing the things that he can do at the college level, but probably won't be able to to do at the NBA level. I, now, I don't really have a, I don't really have a concern about that. I, you know, I do think I'm sure that was some of the feedback that he received was about his outside shooting and. Uh, and trying to get better than that, at that, so I think he's that he'll certainly work on that. And I think if you can get his shooting to a point where you could put him and and Romeo in you know kind of a ball screen scenario where the defense really has to pick their poison, and uh, you know maybe he can step out and hit it, at least with some consistency, uh, that would certainly help. 
but I don't necessarily think they're going to do that. And I think to go along with what you guys were talking about before and kind of what, you know, Juwan shooting percentages and things like that, I'll be interested to see this year with a, a deeper front court, um, at least eventually, um, how how he might be able to change based on the position that he's forced to play, who he's forced to guard, who ends up guarding him. Um, Cause I think he ended up, you know, some of that transition for him to play more inside was a little bit in, you know, in, you know, the direct result of Duran getting hurt. Um, and I really needing in, in more of an interior presence. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they use him this year compared to what they did before and, and positionally how they do that. We talked about that on the show last week, just kind of the, you know, what lineups you could really roll out there. And so I think that'll have an impact on the kinds of shots he gets and, and ultimately how successful he can be in making those. But I think um, I, I'm confident that he'll, you know, really spend a lot of time working on that aspect of his game. And I think if he can just improve that by a, even a relatively small margin, it, margin, it has a, a huge potential to help the offense in total. What do you think about that, Ryan? I don't know. I, I think that... <sighs> What I want to see from Indiana next year is is Juwan put in a situation where he's fresh at the end of games, which we didn't see this year. I mean, so much was on his shoulders. And so I want them to be able to, as Andy was talking early in his statement about the pick and roll situation, put pressure on the defense with the pick and roll, pick your poison. I think Evan Fitzner, Fitzner is going to be a guy who they can do that with as well because he can pick and pop and shoot threes. So I, I think that what I would like to see is a situation where they can give Jawan longer periods of rest, even though he probably won't need it as much this year, because again, as you get older, get more experience, you're in better shape. And, and he will be, I'm sure this year. And I'm sure if you asked him to, he could play 40 minutes. But I think that what we saw last year with some of the guys on the team is they would wear down late in games. And Juwan was one of those guys. And when you have a guy, it's not just the minutes. It's when you're, you have such a heavy load on a guy offensively and defensively. You see him wear down. You see him struggle late. And I think that's where some free throw issues come in as well. You don't concentrate as, as hard. It's, it's just harder to you know, maintain your focus. So what I would love to see is for them to get him some breaks in game so that he can play that last 10 minutes for you if he needs to and be fresher than we saw this year. Uh, and so, you know, whether it's a guy like race Thompson, whether it's Fitzner, whether it's, you know, whoever rotating in, taking some, some, some hits and some pops for him that way, you know, towards the end of the season, he's not as worn down and towards the end of the games, he's not as worn down. That's what I think the biggest thing for Juwan moving forward is. And I think that is why there is such optimism about this year is because this roster will have the ability to do that. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to the next segment. I have a, uh, I've got a lineup thing that I want to talk about with you guys based on some comments Archie mentioned at Huber's, and we'll talk about some other comments that he had uh, before we hop in and start answering some of these great questions that we got. So that is coming up here on the Assembly Call. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Too much stuff getting in the way of your spring cleaning? Give yourself a little more elbow room with a storage unit from 5A Rent-A-Space. We're offering 50% off of select spaces for six months with locations in Moraga and Foster City. Call 650-338-0016 or visit 5aspace.com today.
Welcome back. You're listening to The Assembly Call. So here's a fun fact. We have over 5,600 IU fans from around the globe who subscribe to our email newsletter, and you can too. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post-game analysis emails once the season begins. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. Again, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 and join for free today. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Uh, we just spent last segment talking about the impact of Jawan Morgan's return. And I want to talk a little bit about lineups with you guys. And I want to just run a thought by you that I had after, you know, considering Jawan coming back, listening to Archie's comments at Huber's, and just taking into account a few things. You know, number one, it really doesn't sound like Duran is going to be ready early in the season if he's ready at all, if he's at 100% at all next year. I felt um, like we knew that. Uh, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, no, nothing earth shattering there. We've been saying that for a long time, just based on right. the injury and his size. Um, and our, our vast medical knowledge, let's not forget. Yes, of course, yeah. yes, yes. Um, you know, I don't believe that Juwan came back to IU to play center for five months. And, you know, without Duran there and, you know, some young guys that are unproven, you know, you start putting some lineups together and it's really easy to just slot him in in that five spot. And I'm not sure he came back to IU to do that for five months. Um, you know, Archie loves Zach McRoberts. I mean, his comments about Zach McRoberts are always effusive. So his minutes aren't just going to be given away. And Archie even talked about expanding his role offensively if he can shoot with more confidence. And there's really nothing yet to suggest that Race Thompson, Clifton Moore, or Jake Forrester are ready to step in right away and play. All those guys have great potential. You know, we have high hopes for all of them. But when you talk about who's going to line up, you know, opening night, you know, the first month of the season, we have no reason to think yet that any of those guys are ready because we haven't seen them play. And we know that we still don't have a lot of proven shooting. You know, we expect the shooting to be better this year, but not a lot of it is proven at the college level yet. So as I started thinking about the lineup, you know, obviously Romeo is going to be in the lineup. Juwan Morgan's going to be in the lineup. And I think based on Archie's comments, Devontae Green certainly seems penciled into the lineup right now. And so then you've got two spots left. And, you know, you've got to figure out, is Juwan going to be at the five? Is there going to be someone else playing center? And then what do you do with Justin Smith and Zach McRoberts? Because if you're going to get both of them in the lineup, now you've got Juwan at the five. And again, I just wonder if Four. that's where... or. No, he would be at the five if all if all five. Oh, of those if guys all play. five are starting. Okay, I yeah. thought you meant if only one. No, and so this is why I'm really starting to wonder if we won't see at the beginning of the year Evan Fitzner as a guy who's in the lineup to start. And I say that because then he would play the five, and that would keep Juwan from having to be in there. And Archie has talked about his shooting, and on a team that's devoid of it, I think it's going to be hard for Archie to keep a guy who shoots forty percent from three point range and has has proven to do it off the court, which would mean that either Justin or Zach starts and the other guy is the sixth man. So as I start piecing it together and kind of thinking about what makes the most sense projecting forward, that lineup is starting to make more sense to me than one where you've got Zach and Justin in there and Juwan playing the five. Um, It's all speculation at this point, but I think if I had to like place a bet on what the lineup would be, I would go with that and then flip a coin between whether it's Justin or Zach starting at the three. Your thoughts, Andy? Uh, interesting, interesting theory. Um, I think race Thompson could potentially factor in as the, as the fifth guy, I, you know, Archie and some of the comments that I listened to, he talked about, you know, Fitzner really, you know, also being in that learning mode with some of the other guys you talked about, there certainly more continuity yeah. this year, but I think, you know, 
I think he also mentioned a race uh, specifically about, you know, having been able to be around and, and, you know, kind of what he was able to do. So I think he's a guy who, you know, not, you know, I think he's what, like six, eight or so um, could potentially be in that scenario. I, what you're saying is entirely plausible. Um, but I would say that race might be the other guy that you could throw in at that spot. I think all the other, you know, kind of the lead up to that and the, the assumptions that you're making there make sense to me. Uh, and then you just kind of tweak everything else around it. But I think if I was going to, argue one potential uh, alternative to what you said. I think Ray Thompson would probably be the guy that I would bring up. Well, and, and Fitzner is going to have to learn how to play the pack line too, the pack line defense. And that's going to be a big consideration too. So it's a lot easier to learn that as a, as a post guy than, than a perimeter guy, I would say. So I don't think he'll have too much trouble there, but I will also say, you said that you don't think Juwan Morgan came back to play the five. I don't think Evan Fitzner transferred to sit on the bench. Uh, I'm not saying he'll start, but he, he came to play and, and that's, you know, so we've always talked about that. You know, what's the starting lineup? Does it really matter? Is it more about, you know, who's on the floor for the most minutes? I I think we all agree that's far more important than who's actually out there as a starter. I would say, I think that you're going to see a lot of lineup mixing early in the season, just so Archie sees how these guys fit together, see how a race fits next to a Justin Smith, maybe at the four and and race at the five. And uh, when Juwan Morgan's not on the floor, obviously does Juwan Morgan play more of a wing position in some lineups and then go. And and I think that that's, that's the thing about Juwan Morgan is he's so versatile that he can just straight up play the five if he needs to. And, and I think that you're probably right, Jared, that he came back to sort of, you know, showcase that he can do more than just be a post guy, a straight post guy. And I think that if he wants to have an NBA career, he's going to need to do that. But at the same time, I think that if the team needs that, you know, if, if the team's best lineup is to have Justin Smith at the four, Zach McRoberts as the other one of the three perimeter guys, and, and Jawan at the five, we're going to see a lot of that. And I think that we will see a lot of that. I don't know if it's going to be the starting lineup they run out there, yeah. but I think we're going to see a lot of that early in the season. And I agree with Andy. I think that race is an X factor because we haven't seen him much, but I think that he's a guy who who certainly based on what he did in high school, his size, and, and what we expect as far as um, you know his development moving forward, I think he's a guy who could certainly step in and do that. And I think he's a guy who could also, like Juwan, sort of fill a stretch four role once, he developed, once his de- jump shot develops a little more. Yeah. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. So we had the Hubers event uh, Wednesday night. Archie, you know, had his uh, media availability, gave a nice uh, speech to the uh, the packed house that was there. It was almost a thousand people who were there. You know, I talked about his comment, the comments that he made about Zach McRoberts. We alluded a little bit to the comments that he made about Deron Davis. I thought the other most most compelling statements that he made were about Devonte Green. Um, and we got a question actually from Joel. He said, does Archie talk about Devonte Green differently than other players? Seems like he's trying to talk himself and Green about into reaching Green's potential. Talked about Devonte more last night than any other player. And he did. I mean, he was going player by player and, you know, was pretty quick on, you know, guys like Justin Smith and some others, but really lingered on Devonte. And it's interesting coming on the heels of the episode that we did about, you know, whether Devonte Green can break out as a junior. Because you really got the sense from Archie's comments, and I, and again, I don't think you guys have actually heard the comments, but you really got the sense that he had a sit-down talk with Devontae Green about how good do you want to be. And not necessarily like a friendly chat, but a chat that maybe had a little bit of an edge to it. Like, look, you've got a chance to be really good, but you've got to decide if you want to just accept the talent that you have and go with that, or if you really want to get better. 
And again, some of this is reading between the lines, but it, it sounded like from what Archie said that Devontae really responded well, had a great spring. He said Devontae shot the ball as well as anybody he's been around since he got to Indiana other than James Blackman Jr., and, you know, again, it's not like Indiana shot very well last year, but that's still a pretty good <laughs> yeah, phrase. Yeah, it's kind of a back-end account. Well, so. yeah, but but still, it, 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 it alludes to maybe the light bulb going on. You know, it's interesting. Someone tweeted me uh, Danny Green, his brother's basketball reference page, and you look at it, he didn't do a whole lot as a freshman and sophomore at North Carolina and really stepped up as a junior and senior. Now, look, a lot of guys do that. It's not just to say that, you know, there's something special about the Green family, but, you know, maybe those guys take a couple of years and the light bulb comes on. And so it's just, I think, if you're looking for reasons to believe in Devontae Green, to me, that is one more kind of notch on that belt to say, this seems like a positive thing. Because I do think Archie believes in him. I think he believes in his talent. I think he has always talked very positively about him and even when he's criticizing him it's it's with an eye toward how good he can be so that to me was the most important comment Andy uh, that I heard from Archie at Huber's and it doesn't lessen my enthusiasm for Devontae's potential breakout as a junior yeah it's it's one of those where I think he two things are going on I think he knows how good he can be and he knows how good he needs him to be Um, because the more that you step back and you really look at what this team has, I mean, that is, yeah, you could argue guard depth, you could argue, you know, inexperience, some of those kinds of things, but the real make or break position situation, whatever you want to call it for this team is going to be the point guard. And so I, I don't think he's saying that in terms of trying to talk himself into it or, you know, kind of wish casting and hoping that what he's saying is going to come true. I don't think he's doing that. Um, But I think the comments underscore his understanding as a former point guard, um, I think that's probably enhanced a little bit of just how important Devontae is. And I think to a certain extent, he wants to convey that to Devontae, that this team can potentially go as far as he's able, um, you know, to lead them from that spot in the lineup. And um, while that is a a lot to put on somebody, I think we know that Archie's not a guy who, you know, beats around the bush and isn't going to come out and say something. So I think if, if that kind of conversation did happen that you described, uh, I think that was a lot of it that, you know, there's a lot on your shoulders, um, but you can really be the guy um, who helps get this team over the hump that that they missed so much last season. Ryan, your thoughts on just well, that topic. When we talked about Devontae, we talked about maturity and he needed to sort of decide, as as we said, he, he needed to decide how good he wanted to be. I mean, it, it, did he want to just be a guy who flashes or does he want to be consistent? And maybe he won't have as many flashy plays if he plays with consistency, but he would be an overall better player and Indiana would be better for it. So with him, I, you know, I'm not surprised at all that Archie seemed to have that conversation with him, but it's, it's, uh, it, it was much needed. And I think that Devonte is a guy who given his personality and the quotes we've seen from him in the past, I'm not surprised that he would respond positively, positively to a challenge like that. So We'll see. I, I think that, you know, it's all talk until you're on the floor. But at the same time, I, I think that it's very important that he's a guy that Indiana can rely on this year for consistency, which is something we didn't see last year. I feel like that should be the new tagline for our show. Ironically, it's all talk until you're on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only the only other comment that I thought was interesting 
was what Archie said about Robert Finnessy. And it shouldn't come as a surprise. He said, you know, Robert is a really smart basketball player. He's going to, we expect him to produce early on. And he, but he even said, you know, in part because of need, just because we don't have that many guards. So it wasn't like he was necessarily elevating him over the other guys, over the other freshmen. It was almost like he was very careful to be very measured in his comments about the freshmen. But he did say that he expects him to play an important role this year because he's going to have to. And I agree. And from from all accounts, it seems like he'll be ready to do that. Um, so that'll be a that'll be interesting to watch. Andy, anything else from uh, from Hubers that jumped out to you? Now, I've I've kind of seen bits and pieces of it at this point, but uh, yeah, I mean, definitely the Devontae Green stuff uh, stood out. The the drawn, you know, we already mentioned that. Um, so now I think the big thing, you know, he talked a little bit about competition. I guess that'd be the only thing that I would add, and I think. Um, this is going to be a team that Archie is going to really like to coach and, and watch practice because uh, with so many new faces and, you know, we, we were able to get through essentially three guys that we felt confident would be in the starting lineup. And even one of those we've kind of talked about would be, you know, kind of a breakout to really grab and hold on to that spot. Um, there are a lot of minutes up for grabs and a lot of guys who are capable of taking them. And so I think, um, you know, that kind of competition and, and the speed with which some of the young guys can really um, start to understand the concepts and things like that. I, I think we are going to see, as Ryan said, a lot of, you know, mixing and matching of lineups early in the season um, and a lot of ebbs and flows, I think, over the course of it as guys, you know, take hold of and, and lose a grip on some of those spots and some of those minutes. But I think that's going to make it fun to watch um, to really see who emerges because there's a lot of unknowns on the roster that it makes it hard for us to really speculate who that's going to be uh, other than the fact that uh, I, I think he's going to enjoy that aspect of it. And I think that's something that he really wants to have uh, and, and will will really love to uh, to see in the team. Yep. All right. Coming up in our final segment, we are going to answer your questions. As I mentioned, a lot of good ones came in. Uh, Nick wonders what player will replace the void left by Robert Johnson and Andy's fan club. And we got a great question about, have you ever felt more confident about the trajectory of both the basketball and football programs at the same time? I've got a specific date to put on it. We'll get to that next. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. And we've got a bunch of good questions and we've actually got a nice sizable chunk here in this final segment to get to some of them. So very happy about that. All right, so let's start rolling through. We will start with Nick's question. Which player will replace the void left by Robert Johnson and Andy's fan club? Andy, are you are you even prepared to take on the responsibilities of another fan club so soon after helming the Robert Johnson fan club for I, three seasons? I know who I'm guessing, but go ahead, Andy. I I don't know. It might be it might be too soon. Luckily, I don't have to decide until a little bit later in the uh, a little bit later in the season. But you'd like to also do that, you'd like to take a you'd like to take a four year guy. I've I've contemplated just turning it into a Robert fan club and just keeping it with fantasy. That's what I was going to think moving yeah. forward there, but I don't, I don't know if uh, I don't know if I'm ready to, I'm ready for another commitment like that quite yet. 
Right, let me ask this, because the Robert Johnson thing, that happened very organically. And it was because, you know, you always seem to be defending him more than anybody else. And so it became kind of a joke and then it became a thing. Is this now something where we should be like actively choosing someone? Or is this something that gets bestowed upon us by the other people because of just things that happened during the show? I'm, I'm not sure what the best way for it to happen is. That's fair. I, uh, I I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I listen to the uh, Around the NFL podcast, and they always pick a team of, of that they follow over the course of the year, and they make a point not to pick a team until it's a certain amount into the season. So, mm. um, so yeah, maybe I maybe I hold off and wait. Um, yeah. I remember doing that when Cheney graduated. I was like, well, who's going to be like the next yeah. the next player? I don't remember who I chose, but I feel like I chose poorly. <laughs> whatever, however it and ended up. Obviously, nobody could fill those shoes, but it was one of those like. All right. Well, I need a, a new favorite player now that he's gone, and uh, I think in my haste I, I made a poor choice. So I don't like want to. Uh, Steve Hart uh, or Monty Marcaccini. I don't think I made that poor okay. choice. <laughs> um, all right. Next question. This is from Hank Hill on Acid, who continues to have one of the best Twitter names of people who ask us questions. Have you ever felt more confident about the trajectory of the program, actually the programs, with Archie and Tom Allen at the helm, not necessarily next season, but the next five to ten seasons? Um, I, I think it's been a while. I mean, there, there's a lot to feel good about with both programs right now, and that doesn't often or it hasn't often happened simultaneously. But I will tell you the last time that for sure we were all feeling better and I actually went through and pinpointed the exact date. And it's November 4th, 1991. Okay, because back in 1991, uh, Indiana football led by the great, the incomparable Bill Mallory was five and two. They were ranked number 25 in the country. They had promising youngsters along the defensive line, Charles Beauchamp, Hervin McCormick. I mean, that the defensive line that would just be so stout in 93, those guys were all young. Plus, you had Thomas Lewis and Trent Green was a junior. So there was a lot of promise there. And that season, Indiana was preseason number two with an incredible mix of experience, Calvert and Greg and Eric Anderson, and then a bunch of youth with Damon Bailey and Alan Henderson, and obviously the guy that, you know, at the time we all thought was the greatest basketball coach alive, uh, Bob Knight. So you were feeling really good. So everything seemed possible with both programs. And I don't know if there's maybe been a time before that, you know, in between, but I'm going back to November 4th, 1991, because it seemed like optimism for both programs was pretty high then. Uh, Andy, do you have any... Any other dates or any other any other general times that you think might fit? I mean, it's hard to think of another one because the you know to have actual you know optimism for football that wasn't completely unfounded. Um, there aren't many times where you had that. <laughs> then you just have to then you have to be able to then say, all right, at the same time that you had optimism for the basketball program. So you're probably right in about that wheelhouse because that was where, from a football perspective, things shortly thereafter, you know, kind of kind of turned south and then um have, have never really rebounded i don't remember as someone who attended iu during the cam cameron era i don't ever recall feeling confidence in the football program at that point um perhaps the low point was when he decided on a early early september game in bloomington that was as hot as could be with a noon kickoff to wear all black jerseys that seemed like a good idea um Genius. so that that worked out really well um so yeah and then never really felt good about denardo uh yeah i mean and i don't know the basketball program even when like hepner was there that would be the other time at least the football program if you want to look at it that way was like there was yeah. at least somewhat ascendant but i don't know that they're Love the coach, yeah. about the basketball yep. program were uh were quite the same at that point so no you're probably uh you're probably pretty close uh would be my guess excellent work pinpointing the exact thank date. you 
Thank you. Uh, all right, Ryan, we have a scheduling question. This is from Patrick. Outside of marquee non-conference games, what kind of teams games would you like to see Indiana play? He says, I love the regional home away home with teams like Evansville and Ball State, Valpo, Ohio, etc. cetera. Uh, what would you like to see? And we've talked about this before, and I think, I think we're on the same page with Patrick uh, in a certain respect. Those are good games to have. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if I would give those teams an away game. Uh, because Indiana's getting away games with Archie against good opponents and or at least neutral floor games that they weren't getting before. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, if you want to play Evansville, Ball State, Valpo, uh, Ohio, you know, throw in some MAC teams just in general. I mean, any of those teams uh, as home games, I would do it. Certainly. Um, I, I, I don't like the going on the road to a place like that because a there's really nothing to gain from doing that because you're expected to win. I know it's playing on the road and you get a road win, hopefully, but at the same time, you're setting yourself up for a chance at getting upset by playing on the road. Yeah, I mean, you can always get upset at home, but I think that A, you get the money for the program by playing the home game that you don't really get on the road, and B, it, you know, it gets your guys used to playing in the arena and that they're going to have to defend during big 10 season. I, I would prefer that than doing home away home. Pete asks, who is IU more likely to schedule Kentucky or Georgia? <laughs> Reading this question just made me laugh. Uh, I don't think there's any chance Tom Crean would schedule Indiana simply because he seems to schedule from a, there's a lot maybe of, if IU uh, joins the swack, then yeah, maybe there's a chance. It's just, just yeah, he, leaves the big 10. He's, no? Insecurity seems to drive his scheduling uh, philosophy, so I just don't see that happening. I but. think he would schedule IU. No way. <laughs> I think he would schedule no, IU. No. I, I was trying chance. to think of. I was trying to chance. think of what other school could you have? Is there any other school that you could put in place of Kentucky in that question that I would have taken Georgia? And I have yet to think of one. I guarantee you, we will never be pulling this statement out and being like, "Hey, was Ryan right?" There's no chance. I don't know. I it's think not he would possible. not now, not now, but maybe in a few years. I think he might. I, I think it would be. I don't think it would be at IU though. That's the thing, and that, and that like I don't think he would do a road game. See, I think IU. that would be the only reason that he would maybe do it. If he thought Georgia that he would tech, and then and then yeah. get. Right, that's no, no. That's, <laughs> that's silly. That's that's, silly. that's a good answer, Andy. Um, okay, let's hit up this last one. This is from Jonathan. He says, "How many lineups will we see that have four players?" Who are six five and above, Andy? Uh, you know, give the only guys who are under six five on this roster are Devonte Green, Al Durham, and Rob Finnessy. So we're definitely going to see some tall lineups. I, I would guess you'd see almost all of them. I mean, I could see times when you would play Durham at the off guard, um, but you know that is largely when you know Romeo might not be in, or or maybe you you know slide Romeo to the three. I guess, but yeah, I mean, I would think almost all of them. This is one of the while there isn't necessarily a ton of top end height, there's a lot of wing guys in that six five to six seven range. Um, so I think you'll see almost exclusively lineups like that. Yep. All right, and that is all the time that we have for questions. So that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter or text IU to 66866. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers.
Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.